This episode of our podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage for your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit their website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Well, everyone, welcome back to another edition of the Tesla Owners Online Podcast. I am your host, Trevor Page, and I am joined by Ian Pavelko. How are you doing, Ian? I am. I'm alive, and I've 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 slept somewhat. Yes, we'll talk about Ian here in a second. Here, you all know him as the Mad Hungarian, but I'm also joined here by our usual co-host as well, Eric Camacho, down in Florida. How you doing, Eric? Greetings, everybody. And we have a special guest tonight. The man that you see down below me is Kyle Connor from Out of Spec Motoring. How you doing, Kyle? Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Anytime. Now, Kyle, for those of you who don't know, holds the U.S. Cannonball coast-to-coast record in electric car, 45 hours, 16 minutes. He corrected me. I thought it was 10. So uh, I thought it would be a really great idea. Ian and I thought it was a great idea to bring Kyle on because uh, we're going to be talking all about our recent trip that Ian just uh, and I did um, starting last Wednesday, finishing in Saturday, on Saturday, where we went from the coast in Twasson, in Delta, British Columbia, all the way to Halifax, Nova Scotia. And we completed it in, Ian? 73 hours, 27 minutes, and was it 49 seconds? Something like that. 48 seconds. 48, 48 seconds. seconds. <laughs> right. Rounded up and down. There you go. Yeah, that, that was it. Three, and it was uh, 6,131 kilometers or 3,810 miles in, in just um, a little over 73 hours. Two men in a Model 3 for three days. <laughs> yeah. We where, only... where the average outside temperature was 14 degrees Fahrenheit. Yes. Correct. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 So the, the whole purpose of the, of the trip, uh, for those of you who might be joining the podcast or the channel for the first time, was we have a bit of a problem in Canada where the media tends to skew things. The public sometimes thinks, you know, here's the three things, right? Electric cars can't drive long distances. They're garbage in the cold, and it takes too long to charge. So Ian approached me about two weeks, I think it was, before we went to Florida at the beginning of uh, February, and said, I got this crazy idea. Why don't we drive coast to coast, nonstop, the two of us, to just do this thing? And I thought, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was, have that no was idea. a total amount of thought that went into it this. It is yes. such a Canadian response. Okay. 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 <laughs> had no idea what I was getting into. So um, we started planning this thing and we used, uh, well, we used some software to help us out a little bit. But um, anyways, uh, without getting too detailed into this whole thing, I want you guys to throw us some questions here because we have uh, some videos that we're going to be releasing tomorrow. So if you guys are watching this, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. There will be two time lapses. Uh, one of the things that I did is I set up a camera and I did a time lapse from the west coast all the way to the east coast completely uncut um that video is chiming in at uh, one hour and 17 minutes it was set to two f- two f- um one frame every two seconds so yeah it's kind of interesting and i have a shortened one for those of you with add that's about five minutes long and then i just completed i spent the last two days editing a massive video um where ian and i kind of document everything the trip some beautiful scenery a little fun there, too, to kind of mix it up a little bit, um, and it came out really good. So that'll all be released um, tomorrow, so you guys can check that out on the YouTube channel along with this uh, with this podcast. So having said that, why don't you guys fire some questions at us, and let's go and see where it takes us. Well, I'm going to let our esteemed guest, Kyle, go first, because he's accomplished this here in the U.S., so Kyle, why don't you fire away? 
Oh man, my biggest question is just why would you do it in the middle of winter? <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly for the reason Trevor said, because and you know, and and Trev, I want you to just look them up. I'm so terrible at this, but we were not the first to attempt it. There was two gentlemen out of Victoria whose mm -hmm. names I can never rattle off because my brain has been mush for the last you six keep weeks. Keep talking, I'll look it up for you. Planning or executing this thing, yeah. but yeah, I, I've got to give big hats off to them. Um, Tesla Touring, I think, is the name of uh, of one of the uh, the owners' companies out of Victoria, British Columbia, and just ten days after the the supercharger network went live on December 18th. And that's an important thing. Many of you around the world, even a lot of Canadians don't know that, you know, mm -hmm. we've been promised supercharging across Canada for years now. And right. you could drive from Vancouver to Calgary. Uh, it's been several years that's been open. And then uh, on the east side from Sudbury, all the way up to the Maritimes has been open for, for quite some time. But the center of the country, you know, like virtually half the country was dark. I mean, you know, there was a cup, you know, you could find L2s. Um, a number of people have done famous trips across, you know, I think uh, probably the best known was uh, Tesla X Canada, um, which did it in their, their Model X, uh, towing a solar power trailer. But I mean, that was a matter of months to go across mm -hmm. the country. And they were on a publicity tour to raise EV awareness. I mean, it was an outstanding trip. And then they went back into the US. But no one could really do it at high speed until Tesla finally like overnight, literally, on December 18th, lit up the whole center of the country, 20 new stations, all V3s, which was super exciting. It's like, who's going to do it? So these two gentlemen out of Victoria had a go at it on uh, December 28th, but they had a super tight timeline. And uh, the weather, it was really nasty at that point. So I think they, they'd resorted to staying um, overnight in some hotels. They, they made some stops. But by the time they hit Sudbury, they just knew they were going to run out of time. So they had to turn around and go back. So, Kevin and Dawn, and I forget, I can't seem to find their last name. That's so. such okay. a bummer that happened. Yeah. I didn't even know about that. That's crazy. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, they, they actually got picked up in the media. CBC News was, was covering it, and they had some decent coverage on Facebook. But since so much of the Twitter world lives on uh, on Twitter, you know, this tends to be where, where I guess, Elon and Tesla, you know, that's where their, their social media is. So it didn't get really the attention I think it deserved. Um but, you know, like I, as soon as they lit up the network, I was like, oh, we got to do it. I saw them. I was cheering them on. I was like, I hope they do it. And then when I saw they didn't, I thought someone else has got to have a go. But to really answer your question is like they, they had the same idea as us. And it's like, you know what? In Canada, it's exactly like Trev said. Everybody's like, oh, you can't drive these cars long distance in winter. They're just not practical. We're like, oh, yeah? Hold watch my me. Timmy's. Yeah. Hold my cup of <laughs> Hold Timmy's. Timmy's. <laughs> yeah. Watch this. So that's really, we wanted to bust, uh, bust that myth. And we know someone's going to go out and, and do it quicker in summer. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Maybe even somebody here on screen. I wonder who. But, <laughs> you know, um, that's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm really hoping, I'm really kind of hoping that's going to happen. But we really, really wanted the first run to be in winter to say, yeah, there's no, there's no more excuse. You can do this. You can do this fast in the dead of winter. That was the point. That was really the point. I mean, the you, guys, was... you guys are, I was going to say, you guys are now the Roger Bannister of EV drivers in Canada, right? Like the idea of being the first to do this amazing feat, knowing that at some point the expectation is someone will best the number. Sure. Whether it's, as you pointed out in summer, where ideal conditions and the roads are much more, um, are much uh, smoother. There's obviously no snow and other issues to contend with in the winter where your uh, overall kilowatt energy consumption is a lot lower because you're not, you know, trying to heat the car every time you're stopping. Um, I mean, there's a lot of different factors that play into what the numbers will end up becoming, but to be able to be the first 
prepared to do it uh, is amazing on its own right. Now, imagine if someone says, well, I'm going to try to do it as my own driver, just doing it solo. There'll be someone who's going to go out there and do it. Like I said, over summer, there'll be someone who'll do it in, a, you know, the fastest do it in the, the Model S coming out. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of different ways to look at this, but ideally it goes to show the power of the supercharging network. To me, that's the greatest takeaway is what V3 charging has brought into um, the Tesla universe. To see it in Canada where you're on the supercharging highway, and you're going from, you know, coast to coast in Canada, which by by all means, we talked about this before we started taping. It's over a thousand miles longer than it is here in the U.S. And to do that is just amazing when you think about how long it takes to, you know, drive 300 miles when you're charging, but you're also using the heater of your car. You know, I mean, there's all the different factors there that you weren't getting 300 miles in a charge. You were getting so much less than that, having to always stop and charge the car. So there, there are so many great takeaways and we'll, we'll dig into it a lot more with the questions that we have from our listeners. But guys, I mean, this is, I mean, listen, I've known cool things in my life and I've known people who've done amazing things. Seriously, you guys deserve so much um, accolade and so much recognition for this. We know there's going to be publicity. It's going to come in the weeks and, and months to come. But damn it, man, you guys should be so proud. I, I And Trevor, your father, what, what you tweeted out earlier this week. Oh, my God. Uh, the message from that. And I, I, I mentioned know. it, too, on my Twitter feed, which, you know what? Normally, men don't sort of, you know, look at other guys and say, hey, you know what? I want, I want to recognize and acknowledge what you guys have done. For your dad to be the kind of person who, again, most of our dads don't tend to be that kind of parent, right? They sort of let the moms handle the emotional side of things. For your dad <laughs> to come out and say that, and then for you to share it publicly to the world, to let people know that even he recognizes, listen, you're going to look back at this just like I look back on my life now and and how, how meaningful that is, which is why I made the Roger Bannister reference, because you will be from here on out known as being the first to have done this. No matter what records fall in the years to come, you were the first, and that's something to be very proud of. I, I will say this. My dad called me this afternoon, and he spent over an hour with me on FaceTime imploring me to make sure that I document everything, keep every memento, mm -hmm. all this other stuff, because, you know, my dad's always been, I mean, he gave me all of his stuff from high school. He has banners and patches. And he was very athletic, mm -hmm. and he gave me all that stuff because he says, you know, that mattered to me. And this is something that you have to look back on. So anyways, I had a long conversation. My dad had reams of notes. He said, I watched your time lapse. I gave him the link so he could watch it. And he was like, I made all these notes and stuff. So he had a whole pile of questions. The thing is, he's in Florida right now. Um, you know, he's a snowbird. Mm -hmm. And he, he goes off and he tells his buddies what, what I did and stuff. And then, of course, his buddies are all asking him questions. Mm -hmm. He says, well, I don't have the exact answers right now. Let me talk to him first. So he's got all this list of stuff. So I said, Dad, don't worry. A lot of it's going to be covered in the video. And you guys like to watch TV and the videos and stuff. So subscribe mm -hmm. to the channel and you'll be able to watch that. But, yeah, no, uh, when he was on the phone, he, he actually implored both of us, Ian, to make sure that we keep the jackets, keep like every memento that we that we have, mm -hmm. that poster board that the guys gave us with with the route uh, that that hold on to that. Oh uh, yeah, that that's that's go. going in my office, and I'll, I'll make a duplicate for you. It's not fair that we. Oh, I appreciate that. that. that Thank so you. That's cool. my dad. Well, I wasn't going to suggest it, but my dad said, yeah. "Make sure you tell Ian to get you a copy too." So. Oh hell yeah, yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, these guys. We stopped. Where was it? Was it? Uh, it was in Kelowna. Uh, no, that was in Kamloops. It was in Kamloops. That's right. So these two we guys got approached sandwiches us. and a map of North America of all the supercharging stations. Like two foot, like a great big poster yeah. on Coroplast. Yeah, Coroplast is like, well, God, I hope it fits in the car. Yeah, that's amazing. It was, it was, that's it was amazing. We oh. had some great stories. I mean, of people that we've met along yeah. the way. 
Um, it was fascinating. I mean, Ian's got probably one of the <laughs> one of the best stories. Yes. Uh, God, which supercharging stop was that? My God, the days just blended together. I forget. It would have been around. I think somewhere around um, before, just after, before or after Thunder Bay. We were we were into the sunlight. It was uh, lunchtime on day two, so mm-hmm. we were, it was after Thunder Bay. Whatever the next one is after Thunder Bay, going towards North Bay. In any case, we had stopped for lunch. This was hilarious. Anyway, that's a lot of the points here where, you know, the the Trans-Canada is single lane. I mean, believe it or not, the province of Ontario is 2,000 kilometers wide. One whole third of the trip going coast to coast is through Ontario because you've got that big, long loop over uh, Lake Superior. Is it Nipigon? Nipigon? How do you... Nipigon. Yeah, Nipigon could have been it, uh, Eric. You guys can't see here, but I'm going to show everybody here. You you keep talking, but I've I've just brought up the map here so you guys can see how big Ontario is. Exactly. (laughs) And the vast majority of the Trans-Canada over that 2,000 kilometers is all single lane. There's a couple of passing zones where they add, you know, the third lane so that going up a hill, you can pass a truck or whatever like it. And it's but a slow lot. and it's snow covered. Yeah. So anyway, we're, we're wherever we can, we're booting, 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 passing by. At one yeah. point, we must have passed um, this car and we, we get to lunch and I'm so excited because it's a Wendy's. It's not like gas station food. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> this to us was like, you know, like the Ritz Carlton, you know, when you see a Wendy's, they have that reaction. So we go inside. I'm standing in line for the bathroom. And this nice little British lady, I'm going to try, should I do the British accent? No, I'm going to totally sure. destroy it. Anyway, Come on, like, what are you doing? You're that guy. And I'm looking, you know, at this point, I'm really sleep deprived. I'm like, yeah, I'm that guy. What guy? <laughs> that guy with the electric car. That project. I've seen what you're doing. It's brilliant. And I'm like, oh, oh, so you know about it. Yeah, but we had no idea what it was. So she explains that as we had passed them, she saw the, the, the decals in the back of the car, fast EV lightning run. So live, as she's following us now, she's Googling the whole story and she starts reading the press releases. By the time she gets to the Wendy's, she knows our whole story. It was hilarious. <laughs> so she's peppering me with all these questions and she's telling me, oh, there's so many Teslas in the UK now and it's great. I, I was just like, wow. I mean, and that's not the, the only time the that internet. it yeah, exactly. And people would come up to us. I mean, so many of the supercharger stops, people would just randomly stop and like, you're going across the country in this thing? Can it do that? Remember the guy in the 18-wheeler that we had yeah, passed? This he was, was just blown away. He's like, what kind of car he said, is that? No, first is thing he said, is that an electric car? And Ian says, yeah. How fast that thing goes? It's just, uh, like 260 kilometers an hour. And he says, yeah, I kind of figured because yeah. I think he said something like, I looked at my rearview mirror, you're there. Next thing I know, you're in front of me. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, bro, this car really warps the space-time that, continuum. Is that the guy you, you photographed and put on Twitter and said, hey, whatever his name is, like Dan or something like that? No, that was someone else. Okay, someone else. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We met so many people along the trip. Oh, yeah, but The but support that, of the community yeah. was unbelievable. Yeah, both from strangers and, and 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 faces well known, and so many people you know that we've met on social media but never met in person. And mm-hmm. but like the outpouring of support was mind blowing, and especially when you add the extra element, you know, that I was sick for over a week, and you know, yeah, down with pneumonia, that. and poor Trev is stranded in Vancouver. All the well, people I wouldn't call it stranded. stranded. <laughs> well, you made it sound like oh, I'm stranded in Vancouver, and everybody's like, there was not a lot of sympathy for you. I got to say, no, no, like no. <laughs> you're showing the flowers blooming. You know, it's like plus twelve. Oh yeah, degrees. spring sprung early there in Vancouver. That's for sure. <laughs> but I mean, you know, somebody gave you a Model Three to drive. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like I couldn't believe car. that. Kyle, did you hear about that? No, I. That's crazy. They just let I, you borrow one. Yeah. For so I I just went on Twitter and I said, listen, I'm I'm in Vancouver. Does anybody have like 
know of an electric bike or something you know that I can rent or whatever. So Peter Levy, who runs a uh, channel, he calls himself Model Three Man. Um, he lives in North Vancouver, and he reached out to me. He says, "I have one. I'll just drop it off for you." So I'm like, "Oh, cool! Thanks, Peter." So you just came by. Nicest guy. Uh, you know, he's a new friend that I made so out cool. in Vancouver. It's wonderful. So he let me ride. The, uh, let me have his bike for a week, and I took it around uh, Stanley Park because it's beautiful there. And then um, another random stranger, he prefers to remain anonymous, but he knows who he is. And um, he just reached out to me and he says, I've got a Model 3. I live in a condo. I literally work across the street. We never drive the thing. Do you want to use it for the week? I thought, oh, you're pulling my leg. No, it turns out he wasn't. He literally handed me the keys and I had the car for a whole week. So that made me incredibly mobile. I, I, I managed to get around and do some things that... Uh, um, that I'd never done before. So thank you. I mean, from the bottom of my heart, God, that was just amazing. Like, who does that? That's one of the coolest things ever. Yeah. What an awesome yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. It was it was really awesome. And we met so many nice people. I mean, yeah. the fact that it was mobile, um, I got around to um, seeing some people. Matter of fact, I'd seen my, my old stepmom. I hadn't seen her in probably 30 years. She lives out in Vancouver. And uh, we just spent the whole day together just talking, reminiscing about things, and just make a whole bunch of new friends. I mean, we had an exceptional uh, gang of people, both on the West Coast and on the East Coast, both for a departure party as well as uh, as the people who received us on the East Coast. And they were just fabulous, fabulous people. So, what yeah, I, it was a great What trip. I think is interesting about this entire stuff, and, and I want to get Kyle's vantage point on this too, because I, I think from watching the video and seeing in, you know sort of the chronology of everything that happened on, on Twitter is there are a lot of folks who want to see this succeed, whether they're Tesla enthusiasts or not, uh, for a couple of reasons. One is just the idea that that's possible and that it can be proven that you can, in fact, do this is in its own right amazing accomplishment, right? People want to see challenges sort of come. That's why we're we're fascinated with, like, the Guinness Book of World Records. Like, no matter how absurd a record is, someone's like, eh, it'd be kind of cool if I could see that. Sure, that'd be kind of neat. Um, but the other part of it is that for Tesla to have done this, when you do something like this, it's almost like Tesla proving all the naysayers. No, we really can build this network of charging stations that allows you to go from A to B without any discomfort, without fear of running out of juice, nothing. Like you, you're able to do that. Um, when other legacy manufacturers are sort of questioning how would they go about doing that? Like we know we want to build an electric car, but then you know, how are you going to get from A to B? And you have these, you know, third-party companies sort of filling in the gap uh, with the needs right there, but they're not able to do what Tesla's been doing. And Tesla knew from the early outset, we have to build these stations if we're going to be viable long-term. So I guess, you know, this is the observation I got, and I was wondering for Kyle, like, did you feel the same thing when you were doing your challenge uh, driving across the United States? Because even then, that's not easy to do in any car, much less doing it in an electric car. Uh, the the thing with the cannonball run was I went about it a little bit of a different way. I, the the cross Canadian run, this was the first time it's really been done quickly, right? People have been driving cross country in electric cars, specifically Tesla's in the U S for five years. Now it wasn't anything new. Um, I wouldn't say there was any grand scheme behind my run. I've just always wanted to hold a transcontinental record. It's something I've lived for. It's a really stupid thing to do. I can never recommend anyone to do it, right? Like it's not, it's not something, oh, you want to go do something fun, go drive across country like your hair's on fire as fast as you can. That's not the sure. best thing. Uh, it was really like an, a personal goal. Um, but I think uh, we did it the right way. We took advantage of the charging while we could. We modified the car a little bit while we were able to. And um, 
Yeah, it's certainly not the first, won't be the last, but we've held the record for, oh my goodness, probably six months now. And wow. um, there's a couple of reasons as to why it doesn't really matter, but we'll see. Right now, I'm not quite sure if you could break it in another car. I just ran the numbers on a Tycon. I think it'll come close, but um, it'll be interesting. But yeah, I didn't do it to, to say, yes, we can go long distance. I already knew that. I do a lot of road tripping. Um, <laughs> it was really a personal <laughs> selfish goal to try and break the record and push technology as hard as possible. Um, but it doesn't really make new ground like this Canadian record does, because this is quite a rural environment that you're going through. Right. And um, it, it's really a, a network to, to base everything off in the future as to what charging infrastructure could look like if everyone were, or I would say a, a more percentage of people were to transition to electric mm -hmm. mobility. This is sort of what it will look like. It's very cool. Yeah. Just, just to be clear, uh, we went as far as Halifax because the closest supercharger is Enfield, and that's literally the last one that's actually built right now. Once they finish it more on the East Coast, we can go all the way to Cape Breton. So hmm. we didn't have a choice. We could have gone further. Canada's even bigger than 3,800 yeah. miles. Well, we, uh, we, I know a lot of people were saying, well, why didn't you start in Victoria? Because that's on Vancouver Island. Well, we didn't want to deal with the ferries because the other half of the people were saying, well, why didn't you go to Newfoundland? Well, that's another ferry ride, but there are no superchargers in Newfoundland. So Were there the Chatamo chargers was, out there? Yes, yes. Qu quite a number of Chatamo chargers. Actually, on the East Coast, there's a lot of Chatamo chargers. Matter of fact, BC has quite uh, an EV infrastructure. They're very green over there. They have, uh, I mean, I've never seen so many. I mean, Vancouver's smaller than Toronto, but I think per capita, there's probably just as many Teslas as there are here in Toronto. But you see a lot more of them because it's, you know, it's a little tighter. Um, but their infrastructure is really good. I mean, remember Ian, we went to the mall and like every s second parking line had chargers, like level twos yeah. everywhere. It's crazy. So yeah, they're, yeah. they're really thinking about... Um, so I, about so I have two questions I want to ask before we maybe dive into uh, some of our listener questions. The first question mm -hmm. is, did you log what you ate during the course of the trip? <laughs> Curiously enough, that was not what we logged. We logged everything yeah. but that. Because I, I would wonder, because I know you guys tease about this, like, all right, we're, yeah. we're, we got to go. We got like 10 minutes before we have to get back in the car. And you can only, you know, those stops are only ordering, you know, a hash brown or whatever your quick meal can be. Uh, you know, Wendy's Frosty, whatever it might be. By the way, the show is not sponsored by Wendy's, but thank you very much. <laughs> um, but I, I kind of wonder, like your dad mentioned, like trying to recollect everything you can, document everything you can. True. I would imagine... How many calories did you guys really gain on this trip? Because you're you're basically sedentary for the most for the most part. The car is handling most of the commute. You're not doing a whole lot, and you know you're just, when you get out, just use the bathroom, grab a quick bite, and you're back in the car and on the road again. I know. I know. For me, because I packed um, some basic groceries to take with us. I mostly subsided on baby carrots, granola bars, apples, a couple of chocolate bars, and water. That was that was basically it. Fun fact for you: baby carrots are just carrots shaved down to be small. Yeah, of course. Now some people some uh, people think that they actually grow them to be. No, that no I know that. I know that. Um, we didn't really eat a lot of fast food, uh, to be honest with you. We mm -hmm. would stop at the odd. I mean, when the charge was long enough, we mm -hmm. would sit down, maybe have a subway or something like that. But uh, it wasn't burgers the whole time and stuff. We did treat ourselves on the way back, but not mm -hmm. on the way out. There was just no time. Yeah. No. And my my other question is, who drove the most? Ian did. Yeah, and I wish we'd done a better job of logging that. I think if we put our brains together, Trev, we could probably go well, back. we know and... what superchargers we reached. Correct. And we know yeah. basically who was driving at yeah. the time we arrived at the supercharger. So, so I, because we locked yeah. the mileage, we would know who who did what. Roughly speaking, I, I want to say, I guess off the top of my head, is I did about two-thirds of it. Okay. Would probably be something like that, you know, give or take. I was a social media guy. 
<laughs> he was. He was communications officer. Yeah, communications <laughs> officer, flight engineer, navigator. Speaking of which, I should mention, I think one of the reasons we got so much attention and interaction on this is because not only did I post on Twitter, but I decided to use this app called Glimpse, which is yeah. a live tracking function. And I tell you, how many people we have? We had over 1,500 people watching us at any given time, yeah. cheering us on. And because it's live. And everybody knew when we stopped the supercharge because the car would stop moving <laughs> mm-hmm. at that point. Uh, even my dad, he was asking me, like, how do I follow? I could, you know, he's not a computer guy. I said, just, just here's a glimpse. That's all you need. And he was like, okay, that's cool. So he, he was able to follow. And then us. everybody had a riot with when, when you would run into the hotel and then go on a mad search for yeah, the restaurant. Because, because I had it on my phone, right? Like, yeah, it looked like a mouse maze all of a sudden. Like, I know that. I'm like, well. I, I, I can't even go pee without you guys watching me. <laughs> Yeah. I'll be honest. If you're, it's a secret. If you're on a road trip, hotel bathrooms are the best places to stop. Yeah, yeah. walk in like you're a part of the place, and they don't ask any questions. Always that's, clean. That's right. Always clean. I, th- I think Ian, we should talk. Take a few minutes and talk about the V3 network. Yeah, um, there's two things I wanted to talk about in that respect. V3, and then I, I, I've been promising everybody I was going to break an exclusive story for the two uh, podcast listeners. Um, uh, you, me, and Kyle are some of the only humans on Earth who really know what happened behind the scenes because we had some some charging challenges. Well, actually, not charging challenges, but range challenges. Nothing during the run. During the run, the car worked beautifully. Yes. But uh, there was a few issues. So to answer the first question, and, um, you know, Jim Middleton in, in the questions comes up to this. Any idea why the charge rate on some of the V3s were so low? Mm-hmm. They were extraordinarily um, varied. And, I mean, I'm going to go back and I'm going to crunch more of the numbers. Because when we were driving along, we would log our arrival time at every supercharger. We would then put the state of charge that we entered at, the state of charge we left at, and the total number of minutes. So I, I won't have a perfect graph. You know, it won't be perfectly curved with the taper, but it'll be a fairly linear affair that'll show us the average charge rate. You know, for starting SOC, finishing SOC, in the amount of time. So it'll be really interesting to compare those V2s to V3s. And what shocked Trevor and I is there wasn't a huge difference. The initial bump on the V3, of course, was very high. I would say at least half of them we were hitting like close to 200 or a little over. But the taper then was extreme. It would just come right down, yeah. and in a lot of cases, it was finishing at a lower um, at a lower rate than some of the V2s were. The V2s tended to be way more consistent, way more linear. Absolutely. So, in terms of how much charge we got in a total period of time, uh, I hope by next week to have a lot more data for you guys. Um, you know, we'll talk about it maybe on next week's show. I'll publish it on the uh, Tesla Owners Online Forum. Um, but for a lot of you, you geeks, you're, you're, I think you're going to find it very interesting. As to why it varied so much, well, two reasons. Um, Trev and I theorize that there still may be some power supply limitations. Uh, we were told that you know building out the network, especially in Ontario and parts of the prairies, getting enough power locally to some of these remote locations was a challenge. Some of the towns were in like only a few thousand people live there. There's just nothing there. So to be able to pull in enough um, current, you know, in some of these regions, I think is is a bit of a problem. That's why in some areas, you know, not all the stalls were working. Um, but the second part of it, and, you know, this is where Kyle's going to have far more expertise and can maybe speak to it, is, you know, by the time I'd started the run, the car had already seen about 60 supercharging stops in the previous three weeks. You know, I left for Florida on February or on January 29th. Um, you know, we did what about probably 
20 something supercharging stops to go to Florida and back. And then only a week later, I was on my way out West and, you know, it was another 30 something stops to get from Montreal to BC. And then it was 40 stops to go across the country. So I think what was happening is the BMS was starting to get a little, well, I know it was getting a little, cause we'll get to part two of this answer. Mm -hmm. And I don't know at some point if, if the car and the charger are communicating going, we're going to back this down a notch. Kyle, do you think that's possible that at some point after, you know, 50, 60, 70 charges that it's, you know, the charger is not going to push as hard because it's just not seeing stability in the voltages or. Uh, it's likely not the case for DC fast charging. There's a couple of things that go into it. The, the first uh, possible outcome is depending on how many. So I, I've done quite a bit of DC fast charging. I should say B3 DC fast charging with my okay. performance um, same car, and I've had a lot of weird, random issues with it. I made a whole video about one on on my YouTube channel. But what's crazy is six months before that, so this is almost a year ago, maybe eight months ago, I had my long range rear wheel drive at V3 superchargers in California, and that thing would just sit at 252 kilowatts the whole way, and it was just wow. great. Wow. Um, I wish we had those numbers. Right. Yeah. So there's a couple things that could go into play. Um, one, I think the, the V3 charger software is just unstable at this point. Uh, if you go to the Fremont factory, for example, all those V3 chargers while I was there were capped at 150 kilowatt. So whether it's on the car side of not wanting to accept higher than a certain kilowatt number, um, like I haven't seen more than 212 kilowatt uh, with my performance, but I would regularly get 250 in my rear wheel drive before. Um, again, everything heated up, prepared. Um, but but back to your question as to different uh, charge rates at various state of charges, it could be a couple things. One, if the BMS is really confused, it may just not know what charge the car is at, right? So I think we'll get into it, but it could be, you know, as much as five, six, seven, eight percent confused which is an extreme case but it's possible your car never sat basically you were charging it discharge charge discharge it never and you were always in the middle and so what the cars really need is when you run them down low they need to sit there for like an hour two hours maybe even five hours if it's really bad and let the bms catch up with what's going on so voltage will actually increase a little bit after the car starts uh it stops moving i should say and then same with when you full charge it, it'll pop down. That's why on older software at 100% charge, it would always kick on and off over and over and over because uh, it was always just pushing those voltages up as it would bleed the pack across all of the uh, individual bricks. Model 3 has four. But um, yeah, it, I would say that would be the biggest factor. Other than that, it's just random V3 um, software issues that I have yet to track down. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure there's multiple different ones. But um, it, it's probably a combination of all the above. But for, if everything's too spec, if your battery's at the right temperature, if the chargers are performing the same, you should ideally get the same maximum kilowatt rate um, per side. Now, the other side of it is if you turn off HVAC in the car and that's not using anything. Because if you run the heater, it'll actually pull down the numbers mm -hmm. on the screen. Sure. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's... Uh, it, the car is still pulling that power. It just doesn't, it shows you what's going into the battery after losses, basically. Yeah. Our observation was with V3 is I think, what, what was the most we ever got, uh, Ian? 204, right? Once? Well, that's it. What, on, the, on the westbound leg, the highest we ever peaked at was 204. However, when I went out to Vancouver, I saw as high as 240. And the temperatures were on average about 5 to 10 degrees colder 
Now, I think mm -hmm. I was driving the car hard enough, you know, that the, the battery pack probably itself wasn't very different in temperature. You know, it stayed warm because the car was just running, 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 running. So yeah. I don't think that would be a, but it was weird that it was, con you know, like I tweeted out several times like, wow, V3, I love it. It's amazing. It was always in the 200s. And then it was maybe half as good um, coming back. And this is why I was, I was confused but uh, no thanks kyle that's that's well, very well, very the last bit like you were mentioning the temperature related wise when the car preconditions for supercharging um first off the motors are less effective at producing yes. waste heat at speed versus low speed but also the heating target i believe is 26 or 30 degrees celsius however if you get the battery pack hotter like 40 or even 50 degrees celsius so red hot and the warmer it is, the less resistive, uh, you know, connections are in the pack, basically. So it can accept more power. Um, I believe that preconditioning for supercharging still doesn't get the battery hot enough to get a full yeah. 250 kilowatts. You mm. really just got to rag on that car. And the Model 3 is so efficient that it doesn't produce enough waste heat while driving that even if it's raining or cold outside, it will actually cool down mid-drive. And that's why you probably got preconditioning for each stop popping up is my actually, guess. Actually... Actually, Ian. <laughs> yeah, that was really weird. It was random. It was about 50%. And it could be that because, you know, in certain areas, we were driving the car hard enough that I guess it was keeping mm -hmm. it warm. But yeah, it'd be interesting to index that. That's another thing we should have noted. It's like, yeah. did it precondition or not? But it was, it was we about... Didn't, we didn't see it very often, honestly. No. Just no, anecdotally from my memory, because, I mean, it's pretty obvious when it comes up on the screen, because we'd always have a supercharger in the nav, and we didn't see preconditioning very often. Sometimes it pop up 15 minutes before, sometimes two minutes before, and, and often sometimes not at never. All. Yeah, right. And now, so I, I, my guess is just the car never warmed up to the point to accept 250 kilowatt. Yeah. And also, okay. it really only does that from 11 to like 20 percent on the current charge yeah. profiles. Yeah, it's, 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 it's super convert conservative. Okay. See. As, as we dig at it, well, there's more, because going out, I was being a lot more aggressive. I was dropping into the single-digit SOCs quite often. Um, mm -hmm. For reasons I'm about to explain, we didn't do that coming back. We did once, Trev, didn't we? Mm, yeah. We it did. It was a squeaker. But so, <laughs> so here's what happened. Um, on the trip out there, um, I was somewhere, I want to say it was Manitoba or Saskatchewan. It's a big bit. But middle of the prairies, I'm chooching along. And um, it was a little bit hillier. We tend to think of the prairies as being very, very, very flat. It's not completely true. Um, as you get towards the end of them and you get nearer to Calgary, they, they start to get a little hilly. And um, I was, what? Um, I was watching the SOC, you know, and I watched the consumption graphs very, very carefully. And at one point, I'm watching the consumption graph and I'm predicting my arrival SOC. And I'm thinking, eh, can I come on 2 3%? You know, for me, that's like, whew, lap of luxury, you know? So... All of a sudden, it's like, no, it's telling me it's going to be closer to 1%. So I really start backing off. You know, I was cruising along about 125. I back it off to 115. And it's stable. It's not going up. It's not going down. It's predicting one. Okay, good. And then all of a sudden, I'm feeling the car starting to pull a little power. And it's never done that to me. Even at 1%, it'll hold highway speed on level ground. You know, whatever it is, 60, 70, 80 miles an hour, whatever it is. It'll, it'll hold that speed. It starts to pull power. And now I'm getting nervous. So I back off, back off, you know, I'm, I'm drafting trucks and so on. And all of a sudden I go to climb this hill and my heart sank. It was like 100, <laughs> 90, 80, 70, 60 kilometers an hour, 50 kilometers an hour. I'm not at the top of the hill. And all of a sudden, weak, 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 pull up, 
pull up, like the car is just freaking out. All the alarm lights come on. One percent still on the screen. She dies. Turn on the hazards, pull the car over. It stopped. I bricked it, man. I couldn't believe it. Not I was on like, a run. This is on, not on a run, run out west. Going out. Exactly. Very clear. Exactly. Yeah. So one percent still showing. And this has never happened. I've ran the car past zero and it still runs. But at one percent, she shut down. So I'm one and a half kilometers, friends, exactly one mile from the supercharger. If I'd made the top of the hill, I would have coasted down the other side. Call the tow truck. 15 minutes later, thank God, guy comes out. Nicest guy on earth. So excited. It was the second Tesla he'd ever towed in his life. He knew everything about it. <laughs> Are we going to put the rear wheel dollies on? Because otherwise, you know, your pump's going to spin. It's going to cause problems. We've got to make sure those wheels don't turn. He was all into it. I loved it. You know, it's like Tesla actually does training at tow, towing companies all across the country. He'd actually gotten Tesla training. I was really blown oh, wow. away. And I just called some random guy. I didn't even think to call Tesla roadside assistance. It's like, I want somebody here now. You know, I'm freaking out. So tow truck guy shows up. We get it to the charger, bang, plugs it in, whatever. And um, it started charging. No problem. Right away, everything came back normally. But uh, not long after, um, when I was driving further out west, uh, Kyle, you called me just to check up on me. And, you know, I said, Kyle, what the hell? And you said, well, this is the whole thing you just explained. It's like if you're doing lots of fast charges and you're staying, you know, in that center zone of the pack, you're only charging like from 20 to 40 or 25 to 50 or you're never going all the way to the bottom. You're never going all the way to the top. And you're more importantly, you're not letting it sit at full charge or sit at low SOC. The BMS just starts to go out of whack. And I pushed it to the point where 1% was now effectively, you know, um, the bottom or, or, or lower than the normal bottom. But friends, that's not where our story ends. That was the first incident. <laughs> so coming back, this is part of the reason, you know, we were conservative with our charging. And, you know, Trev and I calculate that we, we could have shaved a good hour and a half, maybe two hours off if, if we went down into single digits and, and didn't charge as much as we did. But, you know, on, on the first go around, I just wanted to make it. We had to make it. Put it, the, so. it put the fear of God into us. <laughs> it did. So, you know, we were often coming in with 15, 20% left in the pack. And this probably why we didn't get the max, you know, V3 charging. 100% why, yep. There you go. So the whole thing starts to make sense to me now. But on the way back, we flew now, after After our successful run. After a successful run, Trev had actually ran it down to 5% and, and everything was good. We, we still made it in. I don't think it was pulling power on your end. I think it was running nice nope. and five in the cold. So I'm thinking the car now is it's back in its happy place. We're not going to one, but we can run it down to five and everything's good. So we make the run. Yay, big party. And we start driving for home the next day. Well, we're getting to the end of New Brunswick on the border of Quebec. And again, it's very, very hilly. It's just nothing but a series of hills. We've got a pretty good headwind going. Um, BMS is predicting we're going to arrive at the charger with Brown seven, eight percent, big, fat and happy for me. That's fine. No problem. Not even close to five. We're going up one of the last hills. We're about 17 kilometers away or about 11 miles. And the same thing starts to happen. We're going up and I mean, the car's on cruise at 120 and I just see the speed starting to drop. I'm like, did the cruise come off? No. I put the foot to the floor. No, the car foot to the floor is starting to slow down. And I mean, I'm sure Trev saw the blood drain out of my face. <laughs> he started not, getting sick to his we're stomach. We're not three miles away anymore. We're 11 miles away, and there's a lot yeah. of hills. But now I have in the back of my mind this sort of ghostly Jedi image of Kyle Connor speaking to me, saying, Don't pull voltage. Don't pull the voltage. Yeah, be Go. gentle on the power when it's, when it's low like that. Power. 
which saved our bacon because now I'm I'm basically touching the accelerator like it's attached to, to explosives. Okay, I'm just feathering it. Right. With that's what you have to do. That's the only way to save it. Yeah, we backed it way down to like 30 miles an hour. Well, at the end we were, but yeah, on the highway, yeah. I brought it back to 70 kilometers an hour. It made a dr drastic difference in the amount of uh, current it was pulling. Mm -hmm. And with the, with the hazard lights on, so floating between 60 and 70, we made all the last hills. Amazingly, we sailed in and we just got off the off ramp with 8% showing. And now on level ground, foot to the floor, the car was doing 50 kilometers an hour or 32 miles an hour. It was tapped out with 8% still showing. I estimate in another kilometer, it would have shut down with 8% on the screen. Yeah, now, I've now, never heard of a case that, that the BMS, so in Model S and X, sure, that would happen, especially yeah, the different software. Animal. But yeah. on Model 3s, um, I've never seen or heard of anything that bad um, being at 8% off. Like even, so I do a lot of road trip <laughs> videos. My viewers will know I go 0, 1, 2% all the time regularly. Yeah. But um, again, my car sits whenever I plug into a hotel, I let it stay down there at 5% for an hour or two, and then it sits at 100. It's not the best for battery longevity. Can't recommend it, but it no. trains the BMS. And your car was just on the move so much, never stopping, that it got yeah. so confused. But I <laughs> yeah. bet if you had run it down to yeah. 1 or 2% every stop across the run, it wouldn't yeah. have shut down at 8%. It would have learned. Mm. <laughs> Well, you're right, because, you know, I've done Florida now back and forth twice, and that's what I was doing, you know, like I was often going down to one or two percent, and I'd never seen anything like this. Mm -mm. So it's the fact that, yeah, I mean, that run back across the country where we were we were hovering more in the in the 20 to 60 range, 15 to, to, to you know, we were never using the bottom 10 percent. So cautionary tale, people, if you do... 40, 50, 60 supercharges, and you're staying in the middle zone, be aware that, you know, the BMS might get that far out of whack. Um, yeah, yeah just white. let your car sit. Yeah. <laughs> and and the other thing is that contributed to it limiting at 8%. I know we touched on it, but headwind and hills, you're just constantly pulling current out of the yeah. battery, which sags the voltage. And there's an internal limit. I don't know what the number is, but that says if pack voltage goes below a certain number, it'll just shut you know, basically kill the high voltage loop. And if you Bjorn's videos from trailering with his Model X, he's had this happen. This yeah. is nothing new. It's just such an extreme case on a Model 3. It's the first I've ever heard of it being this bad. Well, we proved it. That's right. You did. <laughs> well, the happy ending was I, I followed the Kyle O'Connor um, patented um, recalibration method. So since I got back, the car's been through two full cycles from 100 down to oh, five. Nice. And uh, yeah, several hours at, at both ends of the spectrum. And it's mint. I mean, I was driving it around the neighborhood here at four percent, and it was actually charging off from the stoplight. I was like, "Wow, okay, that's Good. that's that's the car I know." So everything is is fine. I, I'm not worried about. There's, I don't think we damaged the pack in any which way. I mean, uh, you really can't damage the pack. It's it's no. so tough. That pack is so tough. My Tesla mobile ranger even ch chimed in. He was so nice. Between Kyle and and my mobile ranger from Tesla, I had so much backup on this trip. I was so grateful for that. And they're like, it doesn't matter what you do. You're not going to hurt the pack. You just might need to get towed if you get stupid with it. That's the worst <laughs> that's going to happen. So it was all good. It's all good. Eric, any more questions? Fire them off. <sighs> well, I guess I guess the, the thing that I would really want to know is what what toll would you say it took on you guys physically uh that made the challenge more more complicated for either of you 
Well, that's that's easy for me. I um again, my big concern was making sure that Trevor is going to be able to sleep because you know his first long distance nonstop trip was going down to Florida um, with Testatino with Rafael, and you really had a miserable time sleeping. You didn't have the right setup. You know your shoulder was hurting you as well. So you know I I'd slept many times in cars, and you know it's not a restful sleep, but it was enough that I could be functional. I wasn't mm-hmm. I wasn't too concerned about it, but I really want to make sure that Trev was all set up okay. It turns out I was the one that had trouble sleeping. Now, part of it could be that my system was pretty shot. You know, I had to overcome pneumonia on the way out. It's a whole story into itself that you can read on the two blog. Um, But I didn't start out with a full mental or physical SOC. So, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't my best self, but I was having so much fun. I was so high on adrenaline the first two days. It really didn't matter. I mean, I absolutely adored doing this trip Mm -hmm. and i I think the only physical toll it took was on day three the morning of when i woke up i actually was overwhelmed with nausea yeah he was sick yeah i i i just felt like that's it any minute now i'm gonna have to roll the window down and whatever i just had for breakfast is going out i did yeah i will mention one thing because one of the questions my dad asked me this afternoon because he was watching like a hawk Mm -hmm. the time lapse and he says at one point you guys were out there and you pulled over to the side of road no rhyme or reason why why was that i said that's because ian was feeling really ill at that point and he asked me to take over driving fine lab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your tesla's paint leather carpet plastic and wheels effectively blocking all those uv rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby Fine Lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla, we were meant for each other. Yeah, that's the only time on the entire trip where we stopped. We didn't stop at a supercharger. Like, we never did that in the entire trip. And I was like, well, it was only to switch seats. Like, we didn't spend yeah. any time. There was just the switch. So, and then, um, but you did feel better after a while once you got back into this, back into the seat. Yeah, I rested for a while. And amazingly, the best thing for me to make me feel better was to start driving again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I reiterate that. And, you know, anybody who's driven this car these long distances, Kyle, I think you, you can speak to that too. Um, it's astonishing how you don't get tired of driving these cars. I've yeah. never had a car like it. You know, Eric, it's the same thing for you. I mean, no matter how far you drive the car, you just want to get back in and go again. And after mm-hmm. all the hell I'd been through in those, getting back in the seat to do that last stretch to go into Halifax is like, this is my happy place. You know, right, I mean, right when away. We were, when, we, when we were down for Cars and Coffee at EvanX last year, you know, we, we you know before the event or, yeah, before the event, we're, we're going up to Cape Canaveral. You know, and, and that's not an easy drive, even for people who live in South Florida. It's easily three hours plus uh, on a good day. And you get there and you're just, you know, you're, you're driving up first thing in the morning. You're trying to get to the, the uh, park right when it opens. You're trying to experience the entire day because unlike Disney, the hours are a little bit different. Um, but when you get there, you're not tired. You, you just no. like, OK, let's let's just go at it. Now, I've been up since 4 a.m., but, you know, let's go. And then you're done from the day or exhausted from the theme park. You get back in your car and you're like, hey. All right, we're gonna go eat. Okay, let's go eat. Let's go. You know, and it, it just—it's amazing how the car makes you drive. I mean, we listen. Every Tesla owner knows this. The driving experience is made so much more relaxing because there's less to have to like worry about. There's less buttons and gizmos and lights and diodes and whatever. Just you get <laughs> in, you put the shifter down, and you just go. So, um, 
so I'm, I'm glad that's I'm glad that's the case. I know that sickness uh, made a difference, but because of that, I had, had a follow up question as you were talking about that. D- did the delay in the start date um, would like would the weather have made a difference if you had left when you originally planned on it, or did your sickness help? Like, was the weather better when you left than when what it would have been if you left the week before? Yeah, definitely. Um, so many things conspired on this trip. I'm really not a person that's like, oh, the universe made it so that no, I'm very logical, scientifically minded. No, the universe made it all happen. Yeah, no, but this was a little weird. And I mean, there's even more to this story that I can't tell, but I will tell us. I mean, we, we we have so much time. We have so much time, but no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to save. I'm going to, I'm going to eke out. I've, I've told you guys the BMS story. That was, that was a little post show. We wanted to make sure we had a good run behind us before I talked about that, but I thought it was important that everybody hear about that. And we, we lend some understanding to it, but there is more to the story that conspired as to why I had to stay in Calgary. Uh, for a week, but thank God we did because there's no way I would have survived the reaction of the antibiotics and certainly not pneumonia. Um, so that was a huge blessing that I um, that I got to stay there with my friends. That was a and, big blessing in disguise. And big shout out to my friends, John and Natalie. Oh my God, they were so amazing looking after me, giving me a home. Uh, John had all sorts of fun with it in Facebook, you know, showing little condemned signs on his basement door, you know. Yes, his the door closed with the chair up against the yeah, door knob yeah. yeah, so he couldn't he, get out. He put an authentic, like, Black Plague, you know, the X across the house sign thing on, on, on the basement. Oh, yeah. He had a great time. By the way, if you're, if you're an avid follower of the show or maybe you're new to the podcast, understand that this man, when he was down in Florida earlier this year in January, <laughs> on his way down to Florida, his wife was unfortunately ill. They yeah. go to a hospital in Central Florida, and they find out, yeah, you got the flu. So then not only was she getting drugs, he's getting drugs from some dog pharmacy somewhere. And <laughs> and next thing you know, like there he's yeah. he, Ian's been sick for the better part of like three months. Correct. Was something. Was something. Yeah. So it's a, it's yeah. amazing that given it's your not the coronavirus age, though. <laughs> given your advanced age, you could do such an amazing thing. Advanced stage. Hang on, let me let me adjust my hearing. Get off my lawn. But no, Listen, uh, yeah, Kyle and, Kyle and I are doing fine here. This uh, youth Ooh. movement, it's uh, really wonderful. That's it. The future is I, I have to give Ian mad props because, you know, he knows my situation with sleeping in cars. I have a very difficult time with it. And uh, no, his solution was just total sensory deprivation. Earplugs, things, the, the blanket. Oh, my God, that, that quilt. Yeah. That thing was awesome. That was probably the best thing. Yes. Just give you that whole... <laughs> And I have to say, the Model 3 seats are unbelievably comfortable. Mm-hmm. I yeah. have problems with my hip sometimes yeah. when I sit in the car. Not in this car. No. 73 hours proved it. Yeah, I have yeah. to say, I've, I've road tripped a ton of cars, gas, electric, whatever. I, I even did a Model S with the new seats. Not the brand new new ones, but the adjustable headrests. Yep. And those seats are awful in comparison to the Model 3 seats. They are just really good. Now, I wish they had massaging or some kind of air chamber. Uh, mm-hmm. sure. just to get the yeah. blood flowing. Uh, but yeah. you know what? The seat design itself is really good. Yeah, they've certainly learned. I mean, compared to the first Model S seats, I mean, they oh, were the really flat bad. ones are bad. The flat yeah, ones yeah. are just... We have, I have one in the garage. It's awful. It's so bad. I mean, even, even lately, I've laid down in the back of my Model 3s just with a pillow and laying down there. It's really, really comfortable. I'm not granted. I'm five foot nine, so it's not easy to like kind of contort yourself. But it's, it's quite comfortable just to be able to mm-hmm. sleep on your side for a few hours. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go back to the questions here. Someone's asking about um, 
Is it possible to do the trip on an SR Plus in all seasons or just the warmer temps? Um, in the colder temps, you think the superchargers are close enough to make it to each one? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, I should um, I should say that one of the nice things is the average distance between the superchargers across the country is about 150 kilometers, uh, so or or 90 miles. Let's call it. Some of them are as close as about 100 kilometers apart or uh, 62, 65 miles. The furthest we had to go, I think, was about 220 to 30. Um, which would translate to one of them was we had to skip member um, yeah. because it was down completely. Two of them, uh, ex- two yeah. Of them. There's Maple Creek, and yes. on the other side of Lake Superior, what was the other one that was down? But um, it's still you, you, Eula, Eula something. Uh, Upsala. Upsala. That's it. Upsala was down. That's it. But strangely, the longest one I went back and looked at the logs is from uh, Deep River to Castleman. So this is, as you come yes. around there's Sudbury, there's North Bay, then you have Deep River, and then there's a long stretch. And we could have stopped in Ottawa, which would have made it a much shorter hop, but the Ottawa but one the, is way in town. It's a giant time sink. You don't want to do oh, that. Yeah, yeah, total. Yeah, you want to go shopping, no problem. But that wasn't on our agenda. We went to Castleman, and that wound up being about 230 kilometers. And um, you could easily do that in an SR plus. The only thing is, I would think if it was extremely cold, you might want to moderate your speed a little bit. Absolutely. Um, we were never using more than about sixty percent of the sixty-five percent of the pack in almost all the cases. And this is in the cold, and this is with the foot down. So you know, on an SR driven at normal saner speeds, and, and we had comfortable temperatures in the car. We never cheated. No, 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 no. Somebody's caught me with it up to about 25. They're like, oh, my God, you guys are princesses. What's this? 25 degrees Celsius. (laughs) 75 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. Well, someone else is asking, uh, can you comment on the general road conditions along Highway highway 1? Variable. I would say uh, the most impressive part is Ontario. Even though it's some of the most rural, the conditions are outstanding. The road is impeccably maintained. There's hardly a crack or a hole anywhere on it. That's true. Um, the line markings were great, which was really helpful because especially when it's shared lanes for passing and things, it was it was hard in some of the other areas. Um, but yeah, Ontario did a tremendous job of maintaining the roads. The prairies were pretty good. You know, you got a little bit of ruts and some holes, whatever, here and there. <laughs> it's in the across. video. You'll see. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll see that. <laughs> but the nice part is going across the prairies, you have four lanes almost the whole way. Yeah. You know, the limit's 110. So you, you can, you can get a pretty good groove going across the prairies. Um, the, the toughest one for me was actually in British Columbia, because in large portions, uh, mm. when you're going through the Rockies, the line markings, either the paint is faded away that you can't see it, or they put so much gravel and sand on the ground that it completely obliterates the line markings. And uh, yeah, it makes it really sketchy because you can't see where you can pass and, and where you can't. So uh, that was a bit problematic. The other thing too is you really don't want to follow anybody close in BC because the amount of rocks you pick up. Mm-hmm. Like when my friend John brought me for a tour through Banff National Park, he got a rock in his windshield for like the third time this year. He was not happy. This is just from a car passing him. Whack. Poof. You know, like you can't get glass insurance in Alberta for this very reason. It's it's oh, just wow. rocks on the road are nuts. I actually have two tiny little microchips, but you should see the front of my bumper. It's it feels like sandpaper. Wow. After I yeah, it's shot. I'm gonna have to like compound the crap out of it, but it's just the amount of abrasion. Right. So but, speaking... but yeah, that's yeah. good. No, I was going to say, overall, uh, the road conditions are, are generally good. I mean, you know, you get to Quebec. Well, Quebec basically looks 
very third world. Hey, welcome to <laughs> Quebec. <laughs> lots of potholes. So, you know, like, that, but. on a related note, uh, Darius from Toronto asks, what was your contingency plan in the case you got a flat tire during the trip? Did you have a spare? This is a funny story. Um, I actually hadn't planned on it. I um, I have an inflator. I have a portable 12 volt inflator, and I had a full patch kit if necessary if we had to patch a tire. But I I wasn't really thinking in terms of you know like a full full out failure, like full blown tire failure or wheel failure. And then lo and behold, our um, our returns and defect manager at work, Kathy Jumeville, I'll give her a shout out, looks me in the eye and goes, "Don't you remember what happened to Yo-Yo?" And I'm going, "Oh my God, she's right." So if you all remember Yo-Yo's epic, you know, North and one lap of North America, you know, one of the first guys to take a model three out on a road trip and he came through and we set him up with some winter wheels and tires and he only mm -hmm. lasted 24 hours before he right. was uh, in Michigan and he had a huge slab of concrete that was poking up out of the road and destroyed both wheels on the left side of the car. So I took a deep breath and goes, you know what, Kathy, you're right. So we had a full size spare with another winter tire mounted in the trunk um ready to go i had a full hydraulic jack the torque wrench everything so yeah that's why all of our baggage and food was on the back seat because <laughs> the back of the car <laughs> which, was like which makes me wonder that extra weight how yeah. much that would have infected your entire commute not, not all that much i mean we uh, to be honest we did use a better route planner and we had thrown in a bunch of numbers like, yeah. okay, worst case scenario for temperatures, worst worst case scenario yeah. for consumption, kilowatt hour or kilowatts, and uh, that's where the number seventy two hours really came up. Yeah. It says, well, you can do this in seventy two hours. So that was our goal. That's where it came from. Mm -hmm. um, now we could have done it in the car as well, but because you can't type in things like numbers and over consumption, it's not a hundred percent accurate. So thank God for this website. Um, yeah. But that's where yeah, our number came from. Out. Huge yeah. shout out to a better route planner. You guys were very, very helpful in giving us confidence on exactly where we could save time and where where it paid to stock up and, and, and do a little more charging. Yeah. for On a trip like this in the winter months, it was a godsend. I mean, yeah, yeah you can use the Tesla Nav in there, but... Uh... You know, it's not as good as this. This thing is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, would I'm you would you guys so recommend that for most people going long distances, or let the car navigation do it if they're not trying to do a cannonball? Well, no, you know what? For for average road trips, um, you know, a few hundred miles, yeah, you're okay to use the built-in Tesla one, not a problem. But on something like this, uh, where we were in a time crunch. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a godsend. That, that's exactly it. And I, I think Kyle would agree. For the average human who just wants to get from point A to point B and doesn't want any hassle, the Tesla Nav works very, very nicely. If weather conditions turn sour, it's going to tell you to slow down. It's going to do all the right things. It'll. It's a very, very safe system. If you want to mm -hmm. do it fast, a better route planner is the way to go. It's much slicker. 100% agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So Maggie and Vic have related questions. Maggie asks, at any point in the journey, did you think that, hey, this is more than we can handle, especially when Ian started to get sick? And the next <laughs> question, very related, was, did you ever think to yourselves, this is crazy, why are we doing this? Uh, answer to the first question was... Um, I didn't, even when I was starting to feel nauseous and it wasn't from the car's motion, it was actually from fatigue. I, I learned so much about the human body. You will get nauseous from fatigue. I didn't think that was a thing. It's a thing. So, you know, I knew that if I just got enough rest and a little bit more to eat or some water, I, I'd recover from that. But, um, I didn't, I didn't think it was a real legitimate concern because I've never gone three days straight driving. So it was kind of like, what the hell, man? Let's try it. We're going to find out whether the body yeah. handles it. 
yeah. it was all right. You know, it's like the adrenaline carries you an amazing amount. Our number say. one rule on this yeah. trip was to really pay attention to our bodies. If we were yeah. getting fatigued, yeah. we needed to be able to recognize it and tell the other. I mean, this, you know, we had co-pilots, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and that worked exceptionally well for us. Um, so. Yeah. exactly as far as, as the crazy part of it like is, is like is this too much to do or whatever or is it no oh no i think no, for I, me yeah. you know when we crossed the the three the the two-thirds mark yeah that's when i was like okay we got this yeah yeah i I've, really I've, felt that yeah I, I i agree i mean you know um the most stressful part was going around the great lakes especially when i woke up in the middle of the oh. night and and i looked at you and like that bro, bro what happened like why you look so stressed there's this I didn't think we were going to make it, you know, when, when you miscalculated the charge. Because I was oh, getting yeah, all these weird algorithms off the top of my head in terms mm -hmm. of, okay, take, take the remaining battery SOC, multiply by two, then add a factor of this. You know, I was like, yeah, I got it, I got it, I got it. We I did so much. Yeah. Okay, so this is something we have to bring up. There was a lot of mental gymnastics um, that we were doing on this trip in terms of SOC calculations and stuff that we were both kind of like looking at each other and going like, man, if, if we have to do this and the average person doesn't know how to do this mm -hmm. or doesn't see the pattern, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> how are they going to do that? Not to say that it's, it's impossible. It's just that when we're doing this in a time crunch and we're not really stopping and spending, and, and we're spending so little time with the superchargers and not really doing long distance charges that there's, like I said, there's a lot of men mental gymnastics we had to go through. Like we were doing, you know, calculations as far as, you know, what kind of buffer we should give ourselves, what are the temperatures, I mean, looking at the weather, do we have a headwind, there's a lot of these things. I mean, if you're just doing a normal road trip, not like, like us two yeah. goons, and not trying to do like a cannonball thing, and let's say you charge 80%, wow, well, okay, it's no big deal, but, yeah. you know, we were doing the hopscotch thing, right? Yeah. Try to get a low SOC, charge as much as you need, plus a little tiny buffer to get to mm -hmm. the next one, just rinse and repeat. Um yeah. So I have a question about that, and, and I really want to keep it on your run, but I, I want to share my experience because I Please think it's do. pretty similar. Yes. So um, a lot of my road trips, uh, you know, I'm always just ripping it from place to place. But on the Cannonball specifically, um, it was charge until the car tapers, basically below 120 kilowatt. I didn't want to spend any time below 120 kilowatt charging, just between 120 and 150 on version 2s. And so what that equated to was a average charging time of 12 minutes at each station. Um, and we had cable temperature issues. It was 117 degrees Fahrenheit in certain Ooh. places on my yeah, road. That's hot. So we were battling cold, we were doing heat. Um, and it, the car was fine, but it was supercharger equipment that was overheating. And um, I guess the, the way I would look at it is, okay, the car thinks we'll get there. And let's say we start tapering at 120 kilowatt says, all right, we'll get there at 9%, right? It's great. We'll start off our drive normally. And then whatever we have left over, it's pedal to the metal, you know, 140 plus miles an hour. And then we pull in dead. Um, did you guys take that same method of charge a little bit and then use up the buffer on the way to the next charger? If we knew we had it made and we had a decent yeah. enough buffer, yeah, we would do that. But strangely, I would say in, in at least two thirds of cases, we overestimated the buffer because what was That's happening true. is the conditions were so variable, we inevitably always had too much buffer. And then it mm -hmm. became, yeah, they've got more energy, but I really wasn't comfortable. And, you know, yeah. I, I don't mind calling out numbers because, you know, uh, we weren't out to do a crazy time. So at no point did we exceed 130 kilometers an hour. I mean, maybe briefly to pass. But we wanted to keep the speeds low because, first of all, I didn't want a ticket. I really didn't want... <laughs> 
publicity on the first go round. And, you know, it, it, it was like, let's keep a, a, you know, it was a marathon, not a sprint was, was how I approached it. So in a lot of cases, also police countermeasures yeah. are like super illegal in Canada. Yeah. Unlike here where it's kind of That's a strap true. on a wrist in certain cases. Well, yeah. Again, we'll 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 talk more later at some point in the future, but uh, but yeah, no, I- exactly. So yeah, we did have ways. Of, thank God for ways. Yeah, ways is very help. helpful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like we we didn't really want to go too far as you know. So if we had a lot of buffer, yeah, we probably could have shaved a lot of time off. But we wanted to keep it reasonable. But yeah, guys, that, that that approach was kind of our our mindset. Go ahead. Derek. Did you guys use the energy graphs at all? And, and yes, see oh, yeah. What was yeah? And what was that like? Well, the energy graphs were good, but on on day two and day three, and particularly when we were coming home, we're watching the graphs. And I mean, there's the predicted graph, originally what it thinks you're going to do. Then there's Mm -hmm. the actual graph of what you're doing. And they would sometimes invert. They were doing this strange thing. We should have photographed them more because there was during the like during the commute, like you have it on your screen at some point, you see them switch. Yeah, yeah, it was. You'd see one, and it would have a sharp cut in it, and yeah. come down. It was all messed up. You demon. Yeah, that's a software bug on newer versions. My car's been doing that for like uh, the last okay. couple months. Yeah, I don't know why it, it didn't do that when I did my run, but it's been no doing way. it recently. Hmm. Same press. I mean, we both had this tilted dog head look at the screen. Right. Like, what the <laughs> hell? Is that? I, I think it's a severe recalculation of the algorithm for whatever reason. And mm-hmm. um, mine's it. It used to be like dead on. It used to say if you were going to get there at four percent. At sure. least in my rear wheel drive, like if I just drove like a normal person, I'd get there dead on. And now yeah. it's been like wildly inaccurate uh, for whatever reason. It hey, was so good before. Hey, Elon, <laughs> if you're listening to the show, can you get your guys to work on that? That'd be great. Hey, yeah. Let me buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice so, uh, so let's go back to some of the questions here because we got a lot of them. Uh, Curtis asked, over the span of your trip, what was the ratio of using uh, Navigate on autopilot versus just straight autopilot? Did all the autonomous systems drop often during the trip due to gunked up sensors and cameras? Uh, on the way out west, I had a really bad snowstorm um, for the first six hours leaving Montreal. And yeah, on my very first leg, me, the idiot who reads everything and likes to be up and, and thinks he's, he's hip to what he needs to prepare, didn't even occur to me to put any sort of hydrophobic coating on the front radar massive fail so it got stuck <laughs> with snow i didn't even have cruise control for the first three four hours but then i stopped at a supercharger um just north of ottawa picked up some wd-40 sprayed the crap out of the front bumper and i was mint for the rest of that trip and thankfully um we got no continuous amount of snow during the trip True. it was very, very light we had little light flurries but very cold temperatures so nothing ever stuck again it, it never affected um it never affected the cruise control although at every supercharger stop we got in the the habit of licking all the cameras. Uh, we had quite a bit of snow build up on the back of the car when we hit northern Ontario. I mean, it's in the video. You'll see I had to scrape it all off. Uh, but other than that, no, it was pretty good. I think, what do you think, Ian, 50 60% that we used autopilot? Yeah, a lot of people ask this question uh, on yeah. social media as well. And I'm going to say probably around half. And it all has to do with the type of road. Because as I mentioned, in Ontario, which is one full third of the trip, it's all single lane. And when you're on a single lane undivided highway, autopilot will not let you do more than uh, 10 kilometers over the limit. I think in, in the US it would be five miles an hour. Am I right, Carl? You guys? Is it yeah. five over? On, yeah. You, you on, at least at least without the the, yeah, the no the, divider on, exactly. On, it's basically on, two, yeah. two lane road, five like, over. Yes, you know, five, five over. over. So we get 10 kilometers, which is about six and a half over. And the problem is six and a half over. You know, 10 kilometers an hour doesn't cut it. So the minute we're on any kind of two-lane road, we were using tax. We had the cruise control going, but you had to manually steer. But you know what? I 
I absolutely love driving those roads. They're long, big, sweeping corners. You They're know, beautiful roads all the way around. Yeah, it was a joy to drive the car. Cynic, yeah, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't miss autopilot. And I mean, you know, what's that? A day's worth of driving uh, without mm -hmm. the autopilot, basically. So yeah, somewhere around forty percent, I think, was probably done without it. Because same problem going through British Columbia. It's all through the national parks, mm -hmm. and it's largely single lane road. All of the prairies, and then most of the Maritimes, and of course Quebec, Double you had four autopilot. So there it was like. Now, did we have any failures? Sometimes we wouldn't get NOA because we would have cameras blocked, you know, from like salt and water. That's an ongoing issue. Yeah. But um, but basic <laughs> autopilot worked almost everywhere all the time. So, I mean, even if you had to change lanes manually, at least for long stretches, you know, the car would, would lane keep, you know. So we had auto steer and we had tack. It worked beautifully. Speaking of British Columbia, and Trevor mentioned the spoiler earlier, uh, Bill in British Columbia asked, I don't even try to pronounce the city. Is it Tawasson? Twasson. Twasson. Really? It's just Twasson? So many letters that don't even get used. Only yeah, taking me three weeks. And there's, there's a silent Q in there, too. If you are, if you <laughs> if you watch the time-lapse video, you'll see this spelled out, but it's T-S-A-W-W-A-S-S-E-N, and it's just Twasson. Twasen before Christmas. All right, so Bill, <laughs> Bill in Twasen, British Columbia asks, how effective was the spoiler in reducing or eliminating snow buildup at the rear of the car? And would there have been a difference with it or without it? It did bupkis. <laughs> the back of the car, not only was there snow buildup, but there was like this sand and salt crust that was mm -hmm. like getting on an eighth of an inch thick. It was I know thick. That, that, yes, Michael Bodner oh. and, and, our, and our friend Black Model exactly. 3. Zach in California, we're 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 starting we're near hospitalization from, from the pictures <laughs> of the car. Like it had a crust on it. So, yeah, no this, and we did, left it on deliberately. We yeah, never took we did. it off. We did, but yeah, no. The problem is most of the snow is coming off the road, and then you get this kind of you know turbulence effect where it's sucked into low the pressure back zone in the back of the car. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a low pressure zone. So I think the snow comes up from the back. I don't think the the top flow over the spoiler really has much hmm. effect i mean it does no. make the car more efficient i mean if i remember correctly it's like one or two percent i think it yeah. lowers the drag a little lip spoiler but it doesn't do anything to keep the back of the car clean and nope that's that so i know uh, this next question comes from phil and ian i believe if i i believe my memory serves i mean my my brain still works at 42 years old uh that you tweeted about this phil's question is have you noticed any degradation or other effects on the battery after such a long nonstop drive and the uh, high amount of superchargers used on the trip? Well, the BMS was the big casualty. We just went on at length as to how far out of whack that got. So, you know, the percentage remaining stuff got really strange. I don't think there's any significant um, degradation of the battery. I did a full range charge last night and it's now showing me about uh, 460 kilometers or what's that work out to in miles, about 282, 283 miles available, which isn't bad. You know, in winter, that's typically what it shows me as the temperatures mm -hmm. warm up, it'll get closer to rated range. But I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I know when the car went into service in Tesla Calgary uh, for a control arm and a few other things, they did a full scan of the pack because this was after the car had died at 1%. I'm like, guys, I want to know what the hell's going on with the battery. Am I losing capacity? Is there a problem? Yeah. Have I got bad cells? And no. And they 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 went through every possible diagnostic and said, no, it's absolutely perfect. He says, that's just BMS. You got to retrain it. So no, my, my pack apparently is in excellent condition. Um, you know, it's been scanned three times now on three different occasions, and they always come back and say, no, it's beautiful. There's there's nothing wrong with it. So I don't think there's any long-term issues. It's mm -hmm. it's just the available range. If you do too much goofy middle of the road charging 
then mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not accurate. But the pack itself is perfect. Well, I know that even in your trips to Florida, we've had this conversation offline amongst us as friends, is that you try to get the charge as far down as you can and then, you know, plan it where you can charge somewhere and then try to like juice it, just like you did now on this on this Trans-Canada trip, uh, just so that you're getting efficiency from the battery pack. So it's nice to see you're doing nothing really different and sort of teaching the car, this is how I want to use you. This is what I want to do. And I want to try to drain you as low as possible. The car is like, hey, um, Ian, Ian, I'm... I'm almost running out. Are we gonna are we gonna stop somewhere? In <laughs> You're like, yes, I got you. I got you. Are you sure? Because because I mean, it's worth two percent. I mean, you you keep doing this. You keep messing with me. I, I need to know. So, <laughs> I got it. Um, our friend Rich Tier asks, uh, what camera did you use to record the entire journey time lapse, and what size memory stick did you use? Now, if I remember correctly, in the video, were you removing the camera at times, or did it fall off the mount? uh during the timeline it, it would it would fall off um okay. ian didn't want to put the camera by the way the camera that i was using was this it's a dji osmo action it's like a gopro competitor this thing is awesome i it's set it to camera. one frame every two seconds i set it to infinity and uh, i think and I have beyond. 128 gigabyte card in there and it beautifully captured uh, we just powered it via USB so that it would run on USB the whole time, and it was fantastic. I did have another one that was um, as a spare, uh, but turns out we didn't need it. Um, right. What was the question again? That was the oh, question. did it fall off? Yes. Well, <laughs> Ian didn't want to put the camera on the glass because of line of sight issues. If we ever got pulled over, you know, mm-hmm. it could be an issue. So um, I have a, a new suction cup mount, and we put it on the back of the screen, although... We had a tough time, not until the very end when Ian finally found a position that would actually stay there. And it stayed there for the better part of a whole day. Yeah. So we got down to the water at the very end and we got back in the car and it was like, <laughs> it finally <laughs> pitched you over. Know, it was hilarious. It's like, I'm out. I'm, out. I'm done. You're done. I'm done. Uh, but yeah, well, in the, in the, the time lapse. The challenge is over. The camera's like, all right, we're done. That's who it. cares? Exactly. So, yeah, we, we put it on the back of the screen. So we, we know it to, yeah, it, it worked out fine. So, yeah, if you watch the time lapse and you see it go black for like a second, come back, that's, we every so often we'd have to pull it back and stick it back on. But, yeah, that's there, So we, we just got a few more questions to go. Uh, yep. Bill asks, costs associated with the run itself, for example, quote unquote, uh, fuel. I, guess, yes. I mean, I, I wonder in part, like, I know with the supercharging, like, all right, let's put it this way. I'll add this to the question. If we were driving uh, Trevor's car, the trip would have cost almost nothing because he's got, you know, tens of thousands of supercharging credits on his account. (laughs) Ian's not the same case. So were there charges just on supercharging alone for the mileage you added? No, not for me because um, I was one of the lucky people. um, The first three months worth of orders on Performance 3s came with lifetime supercharging. And I was part of that. And of course, there was the whole big hubbub about the price drop afterwards. And then Tesla offered a refund on the lifetime supercharging. And mm-hmm. the idiot that I am, I was emotionally attached to my lifetime <laughs> supercharging. So I actually was one of the few that didn't take the credit. I just love the idea that it's free to drive the car. So you, you didn't go full Fred, eh? I didn't go full Fred. No, no. It's like, no, <laughs> no, no. He who That's shall like, not be named, gentlemen. Dang it. Yes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes. Anyway, so yeah, so I still have lifetime supercharging and boy, did it come in handy last month. 
Um, you know, this is a question that comes up all the time with road trips, which is how true. much does it cost from A to B? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never really lived without free supercharging. Even my performance now has two years free charging, but I also nice. have credits and stuff. So I don't yeah. really know what it uh, equates to. However, when I road trip uh, in my mother's car, she has a standard plus. It's like $4 to charge it. It's like nothing really. And um, it, basically it's just it, the supercharger network in particular is run at such a loss for Tesla that it's yeah. so cheap to drive, even if you have to pay. Yeah. I also I also tend to when people ask me about it because I I mostly have been paying for supercharging since I've had my car. Uh, it'll be two years this April, so God, it's already coming up two years next month. Um, what What is interesting to me is the number of people who say, "Well, the time's a problem." I'm like, "But what would you rather give up more? More of your time charging the car, or more of your money?" And to me, the money that I'm able to save on the car alone. I'm able to then use the time that I'm like, while it's charging, I'm doing something else. So the car yes, I'm, yeah. is at a gas station. You have to constantly, I mean, yes, you can put a, your pump on lock and just kind of walk away. But if the pump does, if the lock doesn't kick back and they get gasping out of your car and there's all kinds of mess. We have a lot of locks here that they're not, we don't yeah, have and, and not only that, but gas stations are dirty. Pumps are always, I mean, there's, it's yeah. gross, right? <laughs> so my thing is, and you guys show this on your time lapse, which is when you're stopping the charge, even if it is for just 20 minutes, it's a chance to stretch your legs, use the bathroom, uh, grab a quick snack, um, maybe make a phone call that you have to do for work or, you know, respond to an email, whatever. It gives you the affordability of doing that. Then for many of us who drive solo, you cannot do while you're driving. You know, I mean, yes, there's hands-free solutions, but like, I'm not going to send an email hands-free. That's not going to work, you know? Um, so, so I think more and more people of the experience that themselves realize, well, yeah, I can kind of do a couple things while my car is charging. And with all the infotainment system that the car now has in it, you can watch a YouTube video. You can watch a Netflix show that you're trying to binge watch. If you want to watch The Office before it goes to NBC's Peacock. I mean, there's things that you can do while your car is charging. And it, you're, that's, you won't even realize how much time it takes when you're in your car for 15, 20 minutes. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm good to go now. Um, actually, we kind of have to go back to that question just for a second, yeah. Because we had done a rough calculation. I have um, the now it's yeah, it's a little difficult to do because of the two tier um, pricing structure. But what was it, Ian? Just over two hundred dollars. We figured, right? Yeah. The way I did it was I got the question from um, um, the reporter at the Globe and Mail, and we ha- we have a full feature story that's dropping on the Globe and Mail um, newspaper out of Toronto tomorrow. So keep an eye Front open. Front page. That. I don't think it's front page. <laughs> It'll be in the yeah, We're not front page right? news. Oh, it's not uh, obituary, that's for sure. No, no, what? that's it. But we'll 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 tweet out the link for the one that drops. Well, yes, exactly. Thank thank God that's the case. I'll take last page, thank you. Um, but yeah, so for the Globe and Email article, the um, the reporter asked me that. He says, What what was the cost in charging us? And I explained, oh well, I don't pay for it. But we can do um we can do a calculation. So across Canada, because in virtually every zone the way it's structured is you can't resell electricity. So they can't give you like a precise, you know, uh, charge per kilowatt or whatever. So it has to be time-based. And the way it works is anytime you're charging over 60 kilowatt, um, 60 kilowatts, you're paying 44 cents uh, per minute. And anytime it drops below 60, you're paying 22 cents. And so I, I sort of, based on all the numbers we had, I came up with um, an average charge per minute and I applied it <clears throat> and I came up with about $280 is what it cost us. Oh, okay. And what he was doing is he wanted to compare it to a Honda Civic, which is a relatively efficient, fuel efficient car. 
So at the um, the EPA rated um, mileage in Canada of 7.1 liters per hundred kilometers, which is what you know close to 40 miles to the gallon, whatever the gas gets, that car would have used $470 worth of fuel. Uh, we used 280. Uh, dollars by my calculations and now for the purposes of the article because I, I wanted it to be fair I want to use EPA Honda number to EPA Tesla number at EPA rated range so if you drove the speed limit in summer you should only use about $200 worth of supercharging so it's pretty amazing I mean you know it's like 35 40 percent of what it will cost you to drive a Civic across the country do you think you spent more money on food or fuel well um no, we definitely ate more in, in food. I just submitted <laughs> the receipts today and I was astonished. I demanded filet mignon at every stop. Yeah. I'm kidding. No, is, it, we is, were... it, is it a business write off? Yeah, yes. Thank God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to my employer. Thanks, Fast TV. Fast Wheels. Fast, TV, Fast yes. Wheels was our sponsor. Thank you very yes, much, guys. Yes. Especially considering all the time Speaking we spent. Speaking of which, shout out to the guys at EVAC yes! who, who uh, received us on the East Coast. This is the Electric Vehicle Association of. Uh, Atlantic Canada. Atlantic Canada. Those guys were just so wonderful for us. They took us to uh, the Alexander Keith Brewery, which is amazing, by the way. If you're ever in Halifax, go visit. It's pretty cool. Awesome. So, oh, yeah, great, great guys. Hello, Margaret. Hey, and I Ken eat. and everybody hey, down Ken. there. Yeah. So the uh, the last question here, uh, this I think is a good uh, uh, bow to kind of wrap things up here. Uh, and yeah. there are similar questions. One's from Robert in Toronto. One's from James. The basic question that the two of them are asking is, if you were to ever do this winter cannibal run again across Canada, what would you do differently? Uh, whether it's to reduce your time, make them more comfortable, uh, would you do it in a non-Tesla? So what, um, what, what do you think you would do differently next time around? Three things come to mind. One, start healthier with a lot more sleep, like lots of rest before I go. Mm -hmm. um, and no pneumonia. Not pneumonia, exactly. Mm -hmm. Number two would be... Um, do lots of deep cycling of the battery. Like, uh, oh, you know, I would I plan on two or three days of rest. While I was resting, the car would go, you know, re reset the BMS exactly as Kyle described to, to make sure that the BMS was prime. And what was the third thing? Um, Not over, calculate yeah. our, our buffers yes. a little better. Thank you. Exactly. And I, I think that would give me the confidence to do it because knowing that the BMS was perfect, you know, or close to it, I, we could mm -hmm. run the car down to 1%. Yeah. We could have been a lot thriftier, you know, a lot sharper with our, with our charging, you know, had I think it goes without, I mean, we should also mention too, is if we were to do this in the summer months, we could easily shave. Oh, even more yeah. time off. Yeah, because everything's yeah. more efficient. Would right? you would you say you'd shave off more than five hours? That's probably about the right number. I mean, uh, I, would, I would imagine yeah. even just road conditions alone, uh, you know, and, and I know that there's a lot of traffic. I mean, your time lapse shows a ton of tractor trailers in front yeah. of you. So you can only go yeah. as fast as they're going to. Um, but I would well, imagine you can go around them. It depends on how brave you want well, to get. Well, of course, I, I, I'm with you, especially. But I'm saying, but in in a wintry road, it's yeah. one thing to do that when you can clearly yeah. see where the tire marks are are yeah. dug out from the snow, versus on a summer day where you know you've got the entire lane to to contend. I think it's also important to mention too that um, prior to us doing this run, we couldn't find um, any official record of anybody crossing Canada nonstop other than a brief mention of what was it 2016 some some guys yeah. did it in the Passat a group of guys that uh, documented it quite nicely on a Facebook page and they did around uh, I originally thought it was posted at 66 hours and I've been announcing that it turns out it was 63 
Okay. Uh, so they were four drivers doing it in summertime in a TDI. So they only had to refuel once every thousand kilometers. Uh, hmm. And they did it in 63. <laughs> and I'm I'm pretty convinced this can be done in the 60s. You know, if you had a sharp crew, maybe like <clears throat> the man sitting below me here at, at the helm doing the calculating and the ciphering, uh, yeah. you, you could definitely get it into the 60s in the summer. I'm, I'm sure that number is yeah. going to get hit. Yeah. So we're not far off. Do you think a person can do this alone? Nonstop? Yeah. No. Not without a lot of narcotics. And, and, and <laughs> I really don't recommend that. Yeah. No. I, three days straight, there's there's no way. Not safely. No, you need a minimum of two people to do it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Three would be a lot more comfortable. Uh, two oh, is the to be safe. Mm -hmm. I agree. Would you, well, Ian, would you still have a spear in your car if you did it in summer? Just for the same reasons in, in the event yeah. there was a blowout or some other issue? Yeah, considering we didn't have to really haul a lot of luggage, I think having a spare makes a lot of sense. You know, if you if you you just don't want that risk that something's going to happen catastrophic to one of the wheels, uh, it you know it would ruin the whole thing. So to me, yeah, having the yeah. extra fifty pounds in the trunk was worth it. Kyle, did you carry one when you when you did it? Not on that particular run, but it bit me. So basically, the weight penalty is it's minor; it won't affect yeah. me really at all. Um, but the thing is, I was on. A recent cross-country trip in my performance not my rear wheel drive mm -hmm. and hit a pothole in arizona i was in the middle of the desert and it blew out the whole thing and bent the Ooh. wheel and Ugh. which wheels whole... did you have the 20 inch yeah the 20 inch wheels. Oh, i have i have yeah. two different sets of 18s coming and then the referral 20s and i have a spare tire made for the model three that we have a small partnership for our youtube channel we'll announce next week and uh yeah it's pretty cool we got wheels spares are important and also just yeah. a 12 volt compressor like you yeah. were talking about solves 99 percent of tire issues yes yeah yeah i have one in my car too cool anything else eric or is this coming to the end of it now i mean that's that's the last question that our audience uh -huh. uh, brought to us but i mean i can certainly ask you guys questions all night because this is just an amazing thing yeah. i mean there are probing questions like uh were there pajamas worn on this trip uh <laughs> were, 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 we didn't change our clothes for three diet. days uh, what, what flavor of frosty did you get chocolate versus vanilla america <laughs> wants to know <laughs> oh. let's say at the end of the trip we were dying for a shower and a shave and a good bed. That was the best shower I ever had in my life. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I've never cried in the shower. That was the first. Like, oh, another pro, another pro tip for you. Another pro tip: if you're on one of these trips, <clears throat> and it, you know, we allude to it in the video, is um, if you're bringing um, extra jugs, one gallon jugs of uh, winter wiper, winter wiper fluid, mm -hmm. uh, don't throw out the jugs. Yes, always keep a clean <laughs> and empty Are you saying you're in yeah. for a treat? You're in yeah. for a treat. Yeah. All right, you're in for a surprise? Okay, right. got it. Um, speaking speaking of a, a P-formance uh, Model 3, <laughs> um, you know that's I your show title. It's, this is Eric, man. This is Eric. No, that's our show title. All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, do want, I do want to ask all three of you, because each of you have had this experience, what would you say is the greatest takeaway that you have from this some some moral some something that you think is a certain something you learned from this whether it's just from your daily experiences with the tesla um on road trips other do you want others to sort of know when they get the car what, what would you say is the greatest takeaway that each of you had from your experiences i'll go first one we set out to prove something not only to the rest of the world but also to ourselves in the sense that 
well, we were pretty confident that we could pull this off, barring any kind of, you know, acts of nature or whatever the case may be. But I think at the end of the day, I'm going to kind of take solace at what my, what my dad told me, that this is something you will look back on. And it, right now, it's kind of a, a, a big deal in the sense that, you know, people are talking about it. And now that it's over, and now that I have time to think about it, and now it's starting to sink in a little bit, it was like, yeah, this is a pretty big deal. But I think... What he said is later on, I'll, uh, this is something that I'll really come to appreciate a little bit more uh, when I'm older. And uh, like I said, Dad, if you're watching, thank you very much for the words of wisdom. And uh, I promise I will hold on to these mementos. Um, for me, the biggest takeaway was I kind of knew it, but it was so much bigger than any other part of the trip was the support from the community. I mean, it just completely blew me away. Um, you know, from the moment we announced the trip to going out there from random strangers coming up and having the most beautiful conversations, you know, we always think there's this, you know, especially the way social media amplifies things. We get this impression, well, so many people are anti-Tesla or anti-EV. We see all the coal rolling. We see so much negativity, the cars being damaged. But to go out there in the real world and meet so many people, you know, especially out in the center of the country where you assume, well, it's all agriculture. It's all people driving pickups. They don't care about EVs nothing could be further than the truth. People were so overwhelmingly kind and curious and I had great conversations with them. And then, you know, the greater EV community, the Tesla community, the reception we got at the superchargers and people bringing us coffee and food and like offering Sandwiches. Help, I was just completely blown away. I mean, you know, we live in a day and age where it's very easy to get down on society and like, you know, what's happening in civilization, you know, are, are people becoming meaner? What's happening? No, this, you know, we talk about resetting the BMS, this whole trip reset my brain, unlike anything I've experienced in a long time. It was just fantastic. Like the conversations, the people I met, all of the stuff that, that people helped us with. I just, that was a gigantic bonus I never expected. I mean, doing the your, run was a blast, but. Your car mm -hmm. seats five people, but you had tens of thousands in that backseat. Beautifully That's said, true. Eric. Beautifully yeah. said. That's exactly what it felt like. Dude. And, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Sorry, beautiful. prophetic. I know. I I should. I, I mean, I come That's up with show titles like P Formance yeah. Model Three. So <laughs> you, you, you get you get both ways. Kyle, what would you say is your takeaway from your uh, cross country trip? Uh, the biggest thing is just adventures are are meant to be had, right? So this is just a vessel to adventure in a different way. In my case, it's trying to get from A to B as quickly as possible with new technology. When electric vehicles are mainstream, I'll probably be driving something that runs on unicorn farts. I don't really know. But, uh, <laughs> my uh, biggest thing is, you know, I, I think it's amazing that you guys are still friends after this drive. That's a huge thing. Actually, we're better and, friends now than ever before. Right? Yeah, that's so, true. When, you, when that's you're true. in close quarters, that kind of BO, you better be friends. I Exactly. <laughs> it's the smell that gets you right that's the hardest thing and Put your then, shoes uh, on. no it's just great to see more people especially you guys i'm so happy it was you who were able to do the run and uh it, it's a really really cool feat to go across really a barren country more or less in an electric vehicle it's a big step to the transition to you know basically electrified mm -hmm. driving whether you know the Blah blah blah, but that, it's really amazing. I'm proud of you guys. That's uh, it's really Yay. really cool. Well, thanks, Kyle. Yeah. It means it means a lot coming from the guy who holds a yeah. record in the US. I uh, I, I know if, if I was with them on this trip, they would have left me in Saskatchewan. So. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, since that brings us to the end of the show, and Kyle, you're our guest. You get a chance to plug whatever the heck you want, buddy. Take it oh, away. Oh, man, I have no idea what even to plug. Uh, you just too. go out and drive your car in track mode. Go skidding around. 
Don't treat it like it's made of uh, brick or uh, made of uh, diamonds. I don't know what that diamonds are strong. What's not strong? Glass. Paper. So drive your car hard. Get it dirty. And uh, go road trip and see random parts of the planet. I'm currently planning a Key West to Alaska trip at some point wow. in a non-Tesla vehicle. I, I, my main focus is really trying to focus on, obviously, you can get anywhere you want in a Tesla now. Let's try to see what the legacy manufacturers have to deal with and all the new guys with these new networks. So, uh, yeah, just go have fun. Drive your car. Watch our YouTube channel if you want to go to sleep. Uh, it's pretty boring, and uh, <laughs> thanks for having no, me. No, dude, uh, I was watching your video on track mode. Ow. I can't wait to go and do it on mine because yeah. I got the update. Really well done. I, I want to switch my tires and just get the hell out there and well, try it. Well, that's the thing. So. Come on down. I mean, we have our own track, right? So it's a two-mile-long road course. I'm out there every day screaming around in my performance. There's a good and, chance uh, he and I are coming down in August, so please we'll do. probably yeah, swing anytime. by. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we have a video we're working on. You guys should come. We're putting four spare tires on a Model 3 and sending it, and it'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Eric, why don't you uh, tell people where they can find you if they want to have a chat with you? Well, I want to first note, um, if anyone's been following the news as of late, we know that uh, right now the world is un- experiencing a pandemic with coronavirus. Uh, so the first thing I want to say about this is uh, my thoughts go out to all of the healthcare workers who are working crazy hours dealing with who knows what uh, in their facilities, uh, emergency rooms, whatever it may be. Uh, you are the blood and soul fighting this crisis head on, the first to deal with it, uh, many of whom are exposing yourself to the very same virus that you then go home with to your family. So um, for all of you who are working very hard to to find a cure for this disease, to find the uh, to work on the antivirus, the scientists, the l- people in the laboratories, the, the doctors, the nurses, everyone is basically dealing with this on a daily basis. Thank you so much for all your hard work. Uh, we know we really, really appreciate it. Uh, if you are around sports, you know that right now sports are sort of on hiatus um there are plenty of things to do i mean i was reading someone earlier saying if this was 1995 or there wasn't netflix and disney plus and yada 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 what would we be doing with all this time um but i'd say what we have youtube channels so look at kyle's videos look at ian's content look at trevor um i have zero youtube content because i'm the loser that way but hey you know what we put out good content to break on the show um there's hilarious show titles you just gotta Think of the show titles as a Where's Waldo. Like, listen to the show, find out where I mentioned that, and that becomes the show. <laughs> Make a game of it. Make, like, a bingo card. Do some fun stuff with it. Um, but please, for people everywhere, wash your hands. Take care of yourselves. Take every precaution you can. If you're asked to work from home, if you're asked to take leave from work or school or whatever it is, we're going to get through this together. It's only going to be, you know, a few weeks or a couple of months or whatever it is. But, um, you know, there are people who are sick and really succumbing to this. So just... Good thoughts all around to everybody out there. Um, with that being said, if you want to find me on social media, you can find me on Twitter at the handle EC Fix. That's in my description right here in the bottom of the corner of the screen. Uh, just find me at EC Fix. I appreciate all the followers, the comments, the feedback, whatever it is. Um, my nonsense, you tolerate it. Uh, my Twitter feed is a mixture of sports, social media, uh, social content. It's politics, is whatever it is. Um, but a lot of Tesla content. Uh, these guys are some of the newsbreakers. I'm just the one kind of going, hey, America, <laughs> if you haven't seen this. Um, but yeah, we certainly appreciate all the support for the show and all the new likes and the subscribers. So please do that. We appreciate also, if you go to subscribe for the show, subscribe on iTunes or whatever it is, unsubscribe, resubscribe again, get the follower count up, uh, put comments. We'd love to find out how we're doing on the show. Hey, leave us some feedback. That's Yeah, important. give us feedback. It, it could be in here on YouTube. You know, you want to give us a lot of thumbs up. We appreciate it. Even the negative comments, people who have criticisms, we certainly welcome that too. Um, I know I can be acerbic at times. If you don't know what that means, get a dictionary. Um, <laughs> but you know what? It's all for fun. So thanks so much for tuning in and uh, I'm done now. Trevor, how about you? 
And those wise words. There, no, no, we have to, yeah, I'm mm. always last. Ian, you go I'm next. Sorry, Ian's been talking so much, play? I totally forget. Yeah, That's right. Take it away, Ian. All right. <clears throat> well, um, I would say if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's pretty easy. It's at Ian Pavelko. It's the easiest place to reach me. Uh, the Tesla Owners Online Forum. The handle is Mad Hungarian. If you have any technical questions, specifically wheels and tires, I'm glad to help. You can send a private message. You can do it on public, uh, on one of the threads, whatever you like. Um, I'd like to give a quick shout out to um, my employer, Fast Wheels, for sponsoring us on this crazy adventure. They were hugely helpful. Um, and, you know, I'm very proud to work for them. Um, it's been an incredible experience working there the last 13 years. The very fact that they believed in the idea of developing a line of wheels for EVs was um super important to me you know they they're they're fully behind it they want to be leaders in this field so i'm honored to work for them and i'm honored that they um they saw you know kind of the, the potential in the lightning run and i'm proud to announce that our plans are to make this an annual event uh, we've been collecting ideas along the way uh, maggie and ken in particular at uh, electric vehicle association of atlantic canada gave us some fantastic ideas so we've been brainstorming at the company and we think we have some great ideas to allow a huge range of people to participate. You don't have to do it as a cannonball. We're going to have all sorts of different ideas where you can participate short range, long range, lots of cool ideas. So, so keep your ears and eyes open for next year. We want to get more people involved in this. We think we can do a much greater job of, of raising EV awareness across Canada. And that's uh, this is uh, to be continued, shall we say. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, that leaves me. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, the handles Model 3 Owners or just look for Tesla Owners Online. And uh, don't forget to join the forum. That's teslaownersonline.com. There's lots and lots of discussions on there. Hey, you guys are going to be getting Model Ys very soon here, coming this weekend. So jump into the forums. Let us know. Give us pictures. Tell us all about the car. And, uh, yeah, I'd be looking forward to hearing that. And uh, with that, I also want to say thank you to our sponsors. That's the guys at uh, Fine Labs Ceramic Coatings. The uh, great guys at Evanex who make wonderful accessories, including this thing i'll talk about this in a future video and uh, also the guys at uh, doula band insurance so if you're in the ontario area and want some really good insurance give those guys a call that's it for this show i know it's a little long but uh, hey we had a lot to talk about next week we'll get back together and we'll talk about more stuff on tesla like we usually do thanks for watching guys and we'll see you next oh ian you got one more thing you want i to got say? one more one more, one more thing one more thing we the forgot steve to jobs think. has spoken yeah and we often tend to forget it because it's so obvious but Everybody that works at Tesla, everybody from oh, yeah. Elon down to the people like keeping the factory clean. My God, did you ever hit it out of the park with these cars and with the supercharging network? This whole trip wouldn't be possible without you. And the fact now that other charging networks are coming up and other OEMs are challenging, you know, like you've revolutionized uh, transportation and we've just proven even now in Canada, there's no turning back now. So a huge thanks to you guys. And Model uh, Y hits the market this weekend. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes. yeah, there's no turning back now, man. We're, we're going full blast. So thank you, Tesla. All right. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you on the next one. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Bonsoir tout le monde.